Hi, I'm Dave Westberg, and you're listening to the Billboard Insider Podcast, where I interview industry leaders about trends impacting the U.S. out-of-home advertising business. This podcast is sponsored by AdWatch. Reach more out-of-home customers where they live, work, and play with AdWatch Media's digital marketing services. Today's podcast guest is Stephen Freitas. Stephen just stepped down after 22 years as Chief Marketing Officer of the Outdoor Advertising Association of America. Welcome to the show, Stephen. Thank you, Dave. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Now, you just stepped down as the OAAA CMO, but you remain involved with the organization in several ways. Explain. Sure. Well, yes, I'm still working with OAAA. I'm working a few hours per week as an advisor to the team there. Anna asked me to stay on to use my institutional knowledge to their benefit, which I was certainly happy to do. I'm focused primarily on a few specific initiatives, the main ones being the Out of Home United uh, project with Geopath that we just launched, which is our diversity and inclusion initiative for the industry. And I'm pretty excited about that and really, really thrilled to be part of that. I'm also helping them with their PSA programs. You know, the AAA sponsors and supports tremendous PSA work Mm -hmm. throughout the year, and that's a big job, so I'm still involved there. And I'm also still staffing the foundation, the philanthropic foundation for, which is the Foundation for Outdoor Advertising and Research and Education, which provides scholarship and research for the industry. And then some other things. I'm, I'm helping the OAAAs working on their, their third iteration of a five-year positioning plan. I, I was very involved with the first two, so Anna asked me to, to stay involved and help provide some color in terms of historical reference for that project, and then just helping with Anna and, and, and Christina and others that have questions. Speaking of positioning the industry, is out-of-home industry doing a good job of marketing itself? I'd say yes, most certainly, for sure. You know, the industry doubled down on marketing uh, when we launched that first out-of-home positioning project or initiative back in 2011. And that work subsequently forced the industry to take really a hard look at how it's perceived in the greater media landscape and marketing ecosystem. You know, we were very myopic at that time. We were very focused on on doing good within the out-of-home space, but we weren't really connecting as well as we should have with the broader ad ecosystem. So our industry, I think, has done since that time a really great job, both at the AAA level, but but certainly within the companies themselves, looking beyond that, the out-of-home silo to understand how out-of-home really fits into the bigger you know, marketing conversations, and that's really important. And I think there's been tremendous progress, too, in the areas over the last decade in terms of looking at the long ball, you know, and what I mean is sometimes it's hard to see the change that's happening on that day-to-day basis, you know, because everyone's so busy, so involved with with their day-to-day efforts and work. But if you sort of take a step back and look at what the industry has been doing over the last, let's say, decade and look at where the industry was sort of before maybe the Great Recession in 2009 and where the industry is today, I think that that transformation has really been like night and day. You know, there's better consolidation in the industry in terms of of how it thinks and how it presents itself as a consolidated, complete industry, the out-of-home industry, not the billboard industry, but the broader out-of-home industry. Certainly better measurement and accountability has been something the industry has been been focused on for a long, long time. And that's really important. And it's certainly that we're telling a very powerful story about digital transformation and innovation. And that that's really a leading story with out of home today. You know, I, I want to come back to language. 
how you talk about yourself matters. I think the OAAA is doing a great job. And I'll, I'll give you an example. I sit in on a lot of investor calls where the CEOs of the major public out-of-home companies talk to investors, talk to the market. And the language which is used is similar now when it's talking about stressing the benefits of out-of-home. The language that you hear does not vary between which CEO at which large public company. People are getting it. They're getting the talking points. You know, if it's something how out-of-home complements social media, how out-of-home is brand safe, how out-of-home can't be blocked, that language is now getting through and the talking points, people are making those talking points as a consistent message instead of everyone just out for their own. That's right. And and OAAAs worked very hard at that. You know, that, that was really central to the positioning initiatives that we, we developed in 2011 and 2017 and now again this year. And the whole idea behind it was, was making sure that everyone, all the soldiers, all the foot soldiers are out saying the same things, talking mm-hmm. about the industry in the same way. So because, you know, repetition, mm-hmm. repetition creates, you know, familiarity. Yes. And you want people to be thinking about the industry in a consistent way. And you want, you want people to have a very positive, consistent understanding about the value proposition of out of home. And, and we do that by making sure everybody is talking about the industry in the same way. What does the industry need to do better? Well, that's a big <laughs> question. Because, you know, we're always improving. I mean, even though the industry's you know, improved in wonderful, wonderful things in the past several years in a lot of areas. There's always room for improvement. There's always ways to do better and to be stronger. I think right now, though, the imperative for the industry, really above everything else, is is to align completely on measurement and accountability. You know, right now it's a huge challenge because the industry's standards for measurement and attribution are becoming increasingly more sophisticated you know, across all media channels and out of home has to keep up with that. You know, we're, we're finding it increasingly difficult as an industry to justify out of home budgets mm-hmm. and not, not because the industry isn't doing a good job delivering, but because of more and more data, more and more granular data, more and more sophistication in the way brands use data to understand media objectives and plans and delivery. You know, we as an industry have to make sure we're keeping up with with the trends and the, and, and the ability to tell the same stories that the other media channels tell. Ultimately, what we want is we don't want Out of Home to be siloed and thought of as a separate medium. We want Out of Home to be part of the core media consideration. Mm-hmm. And the way you do that is you talk the talk and walk the walk, and you use the same metrics and you use the same measures as other media so that brands have a faith in what the audience is and what the medium delivers. What does that encompass? Does that encompass continued extension of geopath measurement tools? Does that encompass more attribution studies? What actually does that mean? Yeah, you know, so certainly geopath is, it has done a good job evolving their work and, and their measurement and, and what they provide to the industry. But it goes beyond that. You know, what we, what we have to do as an industry is understand the data that's, that's available mm-hmm. and how to use that data in a consistent way that makes sense, that makes it believable, that tells a story about what out-of-home can do and how it can deliver. There are a lot of sophisticated planning tools now, demand-side platforms, sell-side platforms, and they all need to, to work in a way that can best 
tell a positive, positive story about the medium. And you do that by, by really understanding the data. One, one of the, the challenges, of course, is that more and more in order to, to deliver against digital media in particular, you need, to, you need to use programmatic tools that serve ads against specific audiences at specific times of the day or whatever the, the target might be. To do that, you almost need real-time or near-real-time data that's constantly changing. So it's a dynamic audience a profile that you're reaching. And so we need to be able to do those things too. You know, we rely on data that's, that's a few months old or, or a few quarters old. We, we need to continue to evolve our data so that we're telling a more complete current story in terms of you know, as close to real time as, as we can be. Let's take a break here for a word from our sponsor. AdWatch Media is the go-to partner for independent billboard operators for white-label online advertising services for their customers. Now you can provide Google ads, Facebook ads, social media management, and website development to your clients. To learn more, visit adwatchmedia.com or call 404-480-4064. Stephen, if you could magically change one thing about the way Out of Homes Bought and Sold, what would that be? Well, you know, we just talked about better measurement, but but I think actually the magic comes from making the medium simpler to transact, easier to buy and sell out of home. That's the other part of the equation. The, the, the data piece, the measurement piece is only part of the equation. The other part is simplification because you want the medium to be simple. You want the buyer-seller relationship to be streamlined as much as possible. You know, and I, I recognize some companies in our market say, yes, you know, we have done that. We have streamlined processes. But again, going about, back to what we talked about earlier, that's not really enough. We need to, as an industry, think bigger and think about ourselves as a channel. You know, we're, we're a four or four and a half share media channel. So we need to have as big of a megaphone as possible. And we do that by, by as we said earlier, all talking the same talk and walking the same walk and, and having the same messaging in the marketplace. And that also goes to making it easier to transact. You know, yes, it might, might be true that one particular media company has a, a streamlined, you know, buy sell process in place and, and systems in place, but, you know, brands and agencies want to evaluate the total out of home ecosystem for all formats that are in the marketplace that are in a particular market and understand the full dynamic of the out of home medium. And in order to do that, you know, we, we have to sort of step away from those wall gardens mm -hmm. that some of the larger media companies have mm -hmm. and think about the total media landscape and all that out of home can offer in the marketplace. Because, you know, out of home does such a great job reaching consumers during that path to purchase, but during that path to purchase, they're, they're seeing, multiple different out-of-home executions at different times on different platforms, you know, across their day plan. So it's really a question of how do we simplify the understanding about our medium in the broadest sphere as out-of-home, as a channel. You know, I think that's a good point. If, if I can go one place, one place to place a bunch of online ads across computers across the United States, one place, and then if I want to do it without a home, I got to go to four or 15 or 30, it's just much more, it's much more of a hassle, isn't it? Yeah, well, you know, and, and think about just, just the mindset of, of, of people in general today. I mean, you know, people 
when they are buying media they, online that, you know, double click and those types of platforms are great, you know. Yes. But also just, just think about the culture we live in today. It's all about simplicity. All of us, just in our day-to-day lives, the way we interact with social media, the way we, you know, use our mobile devices, you know, it's all about immediate information, what we want now, when we want it. And that's just sort of the world we live in now, that, that we want to have information at our fingertips, no matter what we're doing. And, you know, buying media is the same way. Now, you and several partners just launched an out-of-home advisory firm, OOH Capital. What is it and what are its offerings? Yeah, thank you for asking. We, we just launched out-of-home capital. We're really excited about it. And what we wanted to do is to really assemble the brightest and best talent in the out-of-home field and make those individuals, that team, available to clients who have an interest in the out-of-home space. You know, we're, we're looking at being a consultancy that's a force for good with experience to, to provide truly, for the first time, we think, a holistic global view of the out-of-home industry. Mm-hmm. We want to help cities understand how out-of-home can be integrated into their long-term thinking about smart city franchises and planning and how out-of-home can be an integral part of those successful smart city build-outs. We want to help real estate developers understand more about out-of-home. We want to help companies that are investing in the space to better understand out-of-home. We really do see ourselves as a service that provides deep insights about out-of-home for those people who are looking at investing or being involved with the out-of-home space from a global perspective. We think there's a lot of opportunity worldwide to share good ideas and best practices. There's so many good things going on around the world. And what we've done is assembled a team of people who do have extensive global experience within the out-of-home sphere to bring that global perspective to to the out-of-home space. Now, why did you, in particular, decide to be part of OH Capital? You know, I just thought it was a really wonderful idea. I, I actually <laughs> I actually <laughs> had intended to retire from OAAA. I wasn't planning to, to take up a new career path. Though, when I did announce my retirement, uh, Tom Goddard, who, who has putting this program together in the UK, he was the chairman of Ocean, outdoor for many years, he approached me and said that he, he and some, some other partners were putting this together and, and wanted to know if I would be interested in, in joining the team. And, and it sounded really interesting to me. I've always been very involved with the WWO, mm-hmm. formerly FEPE, which is the, the International Out-of-Home Association. I, mm-hmm. I know the people there really well. I've always enjoyed talking with, with people globally, the global community about out-of-home, and, and, and I always find it fascinating to to understand how other countries approach uh, the out-of-home space and how they operate. So, so I thought it would be a wonderful opportunity to, uh, to be able to continue being part of the out-of-home conversation, mm-hmm. being part of the out-of-home family, but, but in a different way and in a more expanded role globally. I think it's, a, it's interesting, too, if I look at the founder list, it's Euro-weighted. The Ocean Outdoor Chair, Tom Goddard. Andy Rickard, PosterScope, former chair. David Gordon, former PosterScope director. Iberia CEO, Carlos, is it Villa Deval? And Clear Channel Outdoor France president, Richard Sunderland. You're sort of like the U.S. executive or the equivalent of the U.S. office for this venture. Yeah, I, I think I'm the, the U.S. regional office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's great. We, we're, they're, they're very accommodating when we have our calls. Yeah. Uh, they... they, they uh, <laughs> 
they hold them later in the day so this that I don't have to get up too early in the morning for the calls. But yeah. it, it, it's very kind of them to do that. No, they're, they're, <laughs> I, I've known Tom and Annie both for many, many years. And, yeah. and I've always been real fans of both of them. So to have the opportunity to work closely on a regular day-to-day basis with, with both of them and now the other partners, it's really great. They're, they're all wonderful people, really knowledgeable. And I, and I think yeah, I really do believe that, that you know, our, our venture here is going to really do some very good positive things for the out-of-home industry here in the U.S., I think, and in North America, but certainly globally. What are the top out-of-home stories to watch in 2021? 2021, well, of course, the top story is the rebound after the COVID lockdown. I mean, like vaccines are going in arms now and communities and businesses are reopening, starting to certainly reopen. And summer is, is coming and the world will want to, to certainly be outside. So, uh, you know, I have no doubt out of home is going to thrive. You know, I think we're going to see see a, a strong rebound. People have talked about a hockey stick sort of recovery for out of home. I think that's true. I, I, I do think we have every reason to be optimistic that we will have a quick recovery. You know, it's interesting the recovery was very slow after the Great Recession. I mean, the industry was down in 2009, about 18% mm-hmm. that year. And it actually took until from 2010 until 2015 before the industry actually surpassed its, its pre-pandemic, pre-recession mm-hmm. levels. But I think, I think we're, we're in a better shape this time with the pandemic. I think you know, we, we could certainly see a rebound to pre-pandemic levels. Mm-hmm. by the end of 2022 or into early 2023, which would be very, very positive for the industry. You know, because before the before the lockdown, 2019, the industry was really growing very, very strongly. We were having great success. The wind was at our back. Everything was going right, you know, and, and then a recession hit. And in fact, you know, in the, in the first two quarters, OEEE doesn't, doesn't report monthly, but in the, in the first, excuse me, two months, in the first mm-hmm. two months, of, of 2020, the industry was was tracking to be up 13 percent in just wow. those first two months. Wow! You know, so so the industry was doing great, and then the pandemic hit, and and the pandemic is a is, is an outside you know influence. It's not something mm. that the industry did or didn't do. You know, that there's no control over. It just happened. It's just affected the industry, our U.S. economy, the global economy. So you know, I think. I think we have every reason to believe that that once the pandemic, you know, is is hopefully defeated and and we all get back to some semblance of a normal life and people get outside again and summer months come, that that those fundamentals that were strong about out of home remain strong, mm-hmm. and the industry will immediately bounce back and you know and I think I think brands are going to want to be able to reengage. With consumers, I think they want they're going to want to reintroduce themselves to the consumers, and you know what better way than than out of home advertising? You know, people are out and about in the summer months. I have to agree. You know, this recession was an exogenous shock, was an event that came in and crashed the system. It was not a financial yeah. crisis, which everything seized up. Financial crises take years to unwind because you have bad debts, you have bad assets. Mm-hmm. This was an exogenous shock. The system was sound. There wasn't anything that needed to be unwound. Yeah. And, you know, take an example. There's no I just heard the out front guys say they went they made the rounds after they secured their capital and they made a bunch of phone calls to people saying, hey, we'd love to buy assets. We'd love to buy assets. And their CFO, Matt Siegel, said there are no distressed sellers. So people are not distressed 
So they're able to resume. I think I saw income, personal income rose in the fourth quarter this year. And so I yeah, I have yeah. to agree with you. The economy is going to bounce back. Look, the stock market yeah, has done yeah, well. The yeah. stock market's not struggling. Right. You know? right. Unemployment was high. But, yes. you know, as, as businesses have reopened, yes. people are coming back to work. Yes. And so the job is coming back. So you're, you're absolutely right. It wasn't a financial collapse. It, it nope. was... It was a it was a health scare that that just yes. changed the world. Now you have attended lots and lots and lots of OAAA conferences and events. You have any fun stories for us? Fun stories, yeah. You know, one that that I I remember <laughs> that that's a fun story now. But uh, but I was I was having high blood pressure at the time. It was I think it was a 2017 conference, and we we had booked Malcolm Gladwell. Yes, so the famous wonderful business author author of the tipping point and other books and we had wanted for many years he was he was he was very very expensive i will i will say that he's certainly the most expensive speaker we ever hired Mm -hmm. but worth every penny you know he Mm -hmm. he was he was so engaging i think you were there were you there yes yes so so anyway he's an interesting guy he's similar to his commercial he's very low-key he's a really nice guy and he's, he's very much into himself so so we always make sure that, that we have the hotel tell us when the speakers check in because we want to make sure they're on site ready, you know? <laughs> yes. And then I said, well, Malcolm, Malcolm, she great. I tried to reach out to him that night. I say, hey, Malcolm, do you want dinner? I'm happy to buy you dinner. Yeah. No, no, I'll just eat in my room. He's very quiet. He likes to stay to himself. Yes. And so he was in his room. And the next morning, he was the keynote speaker. He's going to leave things off. You know, everyone's in the room, ready to go. We always want the speakers there at least 30 minutes early. Yes. And um, he wasn't there. Where's, where's Malcolm? Where's, oh, my his, goodness. No answer to his room. Where's Malcolm? Where's, where's Malcolm? <laughs> and so, you know, literally, like, like the, the, the clock strikes. Yeah. The house lights go down. Yeah. You know, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Malcolm Gladwell. I'm backstage going, oh, my gosh. What are we going to do? <laughs> oh, no. And here he comes sauntering, sauntering up the aisle from the back of the theater. And he just took the stage and took over and spoke and mesmerized everybody for it. Oh my goodness! So, oh my so that, goodness! That was fun. I, you know, the the other one, the other thing that, or the other conference that really sticks in my mind is not not a fun story. Yeah. But it was probably the most the most memorable conference mm-hmm. that I'd ever been part of, and that was our 2001 conference. Hmm. And the opening, the opening day, our 2001 conference started on September 11th, 2001. Yes. And we were. Yeah, all in the Marriott Marquis in Times Square. That yep. was where the conference was. Wow. So, so, so the entire out-of-home industry was in New York City on 9-11. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I'll never forget it because we were, we were starting our meetings. It was in the morning, of course. And someone came into the, to the meeting room and said, you know, a plane has hit one of the, one of the World Trade Center towers. Mm-hmm. And we all thought, oh, no, that's really, really horrible. But everyone kind of assumed at that time that it was just a terrible accident, you know, of some sort of plane off course. You know, that, then uh, shortly after, someone came in and said a second plane is hit the second tower. And then we all knew, wow, this is, this is serious. And so, so it, was, it was very sobering. And it was, it was really something to be there in New York when that happened. And, and I remember that night, Tommy Tico and I at about 7.30 decided to go outside and leave the hotel for a little bit. Mm-hmm. So he and I walked outside to the middle of Times Square. And Tommy and I were standing right in the middle of Times Square in the street. And he looked up the street and down the street of Broadway. And there wasn't a single soul on the sidewalks. And there wasn't a single car in sight. It was only the digital signs flashing. And it was 
the most surreal experience I think of my entire life to be there in Times Square and completely empty. Isn't that interesting? 20 years, two 20-year events, that event and then the 2021 where there might have been a day or two in the middle of the pandemic when New York was on lockdown where there would be very, very few people out. Wow. Yeah. I, I remember those days, Stephen. I happen to I was happen to have been in Washington D.C. on the day of nine eleven. I can remember a machine gun nest being set up in the middle of the street out in front of the Mayflower Hotel. It was it was different times. It was a different times. Yeah, yeah. My, my home is literally a, a stone's throw from the Pentagon. And yes, and at home, and people at home that day said that the house windows just shook when the plane hit the, the Pentagon. You know, it was it was uh, it was really noticeable. So it was quite a quite a day. Yes. That's all for this week. Thanks for appearing on the show, Stephen. And I just want to say what a pleasure it's been dealing with you over the past several years. Well, thanks. I really appreciate that. And I appreciate all the the good you do for our industry. You know, you're there every morning giving us the good news and uh, keeping us motivated. So thank you for what you do, too. This podcast was edited by Lucas Jones and sponsored by AdWatch Media. Reach more out-of-home customers where they live, work, and play with AdWatch Media's digital marketing services. You can listen to episodes of the Billboard Insider podcast by visiting billboardinsider.com or by subscribing to the Billboard Insider podcast on iTunes or any of the usual podcast outlets. Our email is billboardinsider at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. I'll be back in a couple weeks.